Good afternoon. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being here. Uh, we'll be hosting this press conference on Bill 3. And just uh, over to you, Minister. Uh, thanks, Ethan. Um, morning, folks. Well, I guess not morning anymore. It's uh, afternoon. And I, I, speaking of it being now afternoon, just to start off with a mea culpa and uh, an apology to everyone who uh, called into the embargo tech briefing this morning for the, uh, the delay in getting you the, the news release and uh, the Q&A. Uh, please uh, also accept my apology for the rescheduling of uh, this press conference. Uh, finally, another housekeeping uh, comment, uh, Peter Dobby, who is the, uh, the property rights and farmers advocate, will be available for further media interviews. Uh, if you'd like to speak to Mr. Dobby, uh, please reach out to Ethan after this press conference. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I'm pleased to announce Alberta's government is introducing legislative changes which will protect the property rights of Albertans and to fulfill a 2019 United Conservative Party platform commitment. Albertans value their land. They work hard to earn it, they work hard to maintain it, and they work hard to improve it. It's their home, their place of relaxation, and their recreation. And for some Albertans, like our farmers and ranchers, the land is also their livelihood. Now, given how hard Albertans work for the land and how important it is to them, the law should be there to protect property owners' rights. And the Canadian Bill of Rights, passed in 1960 by Prime Minister Diefenbaker, protects, quote, the enjoyment of property and the right not to be deprived thereof except by due process of law, end quote. Um, unfortunately, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, which was enacted in 1982, does not enshrine property rights for the individual, this reality means that provinces, which have the constitutional authority over property, must step up and defend property rights. So today, Alberta steps up by introducing a bill to abolish adverse possession and to restore the rights of Alberta's property owners. Under current provincial law, it's possible for someone who has been squatting on land to go to court and potentially claim ownership. It's called, here in Alberta, adverse possession. More commonly, as I said, known as squatter's rights. Later today, oh, sorry, actually earlier this afternoon, uh, I introduced the Property Rights Statutes Amendment Act of 2022 in the legislature in order to remove adverse possession. Now, this act, if passed, will protect property owners' rights by ensuring that those who are not the registered owners of a piece of property can't take ownership of it by going to court. It would save landowners from the worry that they currently have of losing their land and needing to monitor it to prevent people from taking possession. Today is not the first time that a bill has been introduced in Alberta's legislature to abolish adverse possession. There have been previous attempts to make this change through private members' bills, but none of them have been successful. And I'm hoping this time will be different because Albertans have been saying that they want this change for over a decade. The MLA Select Special Committee on Real Property Rights consulted extensively with the public about property rights, and during those consultations, they received multiple requests to abolish adverse possession. And, the recommended, uh, and, and they recommended in the report in uh, June of 22 uh, abolishing adverse possession. Now, six years ago, the Property Rights Advocate Office urged government to abolish adverse possession, and in 2020, the Alberta Law Reform Institute recommended the same thing. Alberta's government is responding to these recommendations from these three different sources with the legislation that was introduced earlier today. Now, if passed, this act will bring peace of mind to Alberta's landowners. It will allow them to use and enjoy the land that they rightfully own.
without having to worry about whether someone can take it away. Updated legislation would send a clear message that there is nothing to be gained from squatting on someone's land. By introducing the Property Rights Statutes Amendment Act 2022, Alberta's government is strengthening property rights and giving landowners the security of knowing their land can't be taken away from them. And so thank you very much for your time. I'm happy to now bring up the chair of the Select Special Committee on Property Rights, R.J. Sigerson. R.J. Thank you, Minister Shandro. I'm pleased uh, to be here today to support the introduction of Bill 3, the Property Rights Statutes Amendment Act 2022. As Minister Shandro has stated, this legislation will abolish adverse possession, more commonly known as squatters' rights. This is an important part of the 2019 UCP platform, which will bring peace of mind to many landowners. As the chairperson of the MLA Select Special Committee on Real Property Rights, I heard directly from Albertans across this province regarding this exact issue. The recommendation to update this legislation was an important part of the report which the committee published in June of this year. Alberta is one of the only few jurisdictions in Canada that still have this archaic law on the books. Landowners have been asking us to abolish adverse possession for years and today we are here stepping up to ensure that their property rights are protected. <clears throat> there are many challenges which face the agriculture sector and thanks to our United Conservative government, this is one battle which they will not have to fight. Protecting property rights helps landowners, farmers and ranchers focus on what they do best, managing their businesses and putting food on the tables for consumers. Rather than typing up landowners' time, sorry, uh, rather than tying up landowners' time in litigation protecting their property, it should be a given that their property rights are protected. This is another good example of our government working within provincial jurisdiction to exert our full authority to protect the best interests of all Albertans. I'm proud to be here today in support of this legislation. Together with my UCP caucus colleagues, we will continue to fight to ensure the best interests of Albertans are always protected. Thank you. Thank you, MLA Sigurdsson. Uh, we'll now enter the question portion of this press conference. As with all of uh, these press conferences, reporters will get one question and one follow-up. And please state your name and organization when making a question. We'll start with uh, the questions here in the room. Uh, hi. Um Minister, it's Grant Thompson, uh, the star. Um, <clears throat> I have a question regarding Bill 1 and the amendments. <clears throat> Last week, uh, you brought the, the bill in. Uh, critics and the media were watching this saying there's a Henry VIII clause in here. This is overstepping um, bounds. It's bypassing the legislature. And at the time, the government was saying we were wrong. We are getting hysterical for no reason. And now the government is bringing in amendments to do away with the Henry VIII or um, I guess the amendments. So what happened? Why did you have to go back and amend it if we were so wrong last week? Well, I, I think uh, folks received, received feedback about a request for um, this change and uh, caucus had, had heard it. We had a conversation at caucus. Um, people are looking for um, that, that, uh, that amendment. Um, I understand that there has been a press release as well that's come from caucus. Um, announcing that there will be an amendment related to that. 
Um, previously at Inns, sorry, you had asked me at Inns if, if I thought it was going to be today, and I apologize. I didn't know the timing of it, but I understand now it, it probably, I mean, it depends on when it gets to the committee, the whole. Um, so if that's tomorrow or Wednesday, maybe that'll be introduced, and so the folks will be able to see how it's being proposed to be amended at that time. I'm sorry, but again, like you were saying we were all wrong last week when we were critical of it. What happened? Like, what? who, who, who drew this up? Um, why were you so wrong then last week if we were the ones that weren't wrong? Well, I think folks have asked for, for this clarity, uh, that they're... The the uh, the previous the way it was drafted had had a con confusion obviously because some folks had interpreted it uh, one way and um, uh, all I can say is that now it's being proposed to to be amended. Uh, we've taken that feedback from Albertans um, and uh, again uh, this is is now has uh, been announced by our caucus to to have amendments coming forward uh, this week to to address those concerns that people had. Mr. Unvin, I asked that same question a third time because this is not a drop semicolon, sir. You gave yourself cabinet sweeping powers to rewrite laws behind closed doors. And now you're saying that was never meant to be in there. So I think a mistake of that magnitude, sir, don't you not, yes or no, please, do you agree that that kind of thing deserves, Albertans deserve an explanation for what went wrong? I think Albertans deserve clarity. Uh, I think Albertans deserve to, to understand um, what is proposed to be amended in, in a directive, in a resolution from the Assembly. They've asked for, for that clarity, and they, they deserve that clarity. And that's what our caucus in, in Premier's legislation, Premier's legislation has now been, been tabled at first reading. It's now in second reading. And um, uh, caucus has now heard from constituents and Albertans. There's an interest in, in having this amendment. Um, I'm, I'm pleased as, as counsel to executive counsel to be able to assist in, in making sure that those amendments for that clarity are drafted. Okay, so you've been asked three times, sir, for an explanation. You've refused three times to give an explanation. Can you explain to Albertans why you will not tell them how this mistake was made? Well, Dean, I'm, I'm not going to characterize it as a mistake. I think that there, there was a first draft of the bill. Um, and obviously there were a lot of questions about it, even at the, the press conference when we were here in this room uh, just last week. Um, folks had, had questions, and they're asking for clarity, and we're, we're uh, taking that, that feedback. And um, I understand from, from caucus that there will be uh, amendments proposed to, to Premier's legislation. Why is, it going, why is it going through caucus? Like why, not, why is it the government amend, amending the bill? Why aren't you amending the bill, or the Premier, I guess? Like, I don't understand. It's a government bill, so why is caucus going to be like? What's 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 the plan here? Well, in committee, of the whole, all of the the members can can propose amendments in, in committee, of the whole. Um, I mean, we've had conversations internally as caucus, and um, there's uh, an, an interest in in uh, providing better clarity in this uh, legislation for for premier's bill. Um, so, of course, we would always have conversations. We, we meet on a weekly basis to discuss our legislative agenda, discuss uh, topics of the week. Um, so we've had those those conversations um, ourselves as caucus. Um, it, there is, there's also been conversations at executive council and um, an interest in providing um, greater clarity in, um, uh, in, in, the, um, in the amendments that might be proposed in committee of the whole. Keep saying the word clarity. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just left it out of the bill in the first place. Like clarity to me suggests that you know you kind of got the wording wrong. <laughs> but you, it just wasn't there for a, a, a minister. It just wasn't there. So again, you know, like how how was this left out in drafting the bill? 
Well, again, um, for, for me and, and, and my role in, in doing this is to, to provide legal advice to executive counsel. I'm, I am uh, counsel to executive counsel, uh, making sure that I'm, I'm providing uh, options to executive counsel, what might be um, um, possible uh, from, from, for each decision point what the uh, opportunities are at each of those decision points, what the options are, the advantages and disadvantages of each, and then we make decisions as executive counsel. Um, and then from there, uh, our process is to, to take legislation to caucus before it hits the floor and folks get an opportunity there to, to review it. Um, people have, have heard uh, feedback regarding this one particular part of, of the bill. Um, as we said, look, there were always, there was always opportunities for this to begin with in an open and democratic forum through a resolution that's debated and, and passed by the legislature. Um, but folks are, are looking for, um, the, I guess, an amendment to the legislation to ensure that it's, it's not going to be legislation that would be changed unilaterally after the, uh, the resolution. And I look forward to uh, seeing the amendment hit the floor of committee of the whole. Okay, we're now going to take a few, few uh, calls, a uh, few from the lines. So, operator, could you please put through the first <laughs> caller? Yeah. Yeah. Jerry Tate, Globe and Mail. Hi, Minister. Thanks for taking my call. This was to be the Premier's signature piece of legislation. She campaigned on this. This was your first bill introduced in the new setting. How can Albertans trust that you guys are working through legislation in a thoughtful manner when this series of amendments comes less than a week after it was proposed? Well, because I, I think it's because folks are listening and wanting to uh, be responsive to questions that uh, constituents have uh, and and being open-minded to uh, amendments. I think it's by, by being open-minded to amendments that, uh, that uh, the answer is there. Um, it's true that bills are amended all the time, and what part of the process is often a consultation prior to that. Why was there no consultation? We still see um, Indigenous groups who are upset we, the business community has been pretty vocal. Why was that just bypassed in putting this forward? It looks like you're rushing it. Well, I, I think it's been um, a piece of legislation that's been baited for months. This began during the, the leadership contest. Uh, there was robust debate. There has been many iterations of what's being proposed for uh, this legislation. And, and I think the many iterations have taken the feedback as people have responded to some of the concerns, wanting to ensure that it is constitutional, wanting to ensure that it does uh, protect uh, the, uh, the indigenous rights of our, our indigenous communities, and wanting to ensure that it does, does not adversely affect uh, job creators uh, from scaring out investment or opportunities to create jobs in the province. I think getting that feedback over the last few months was the, the consultation process for us to see the different iterations uh, up until the point that you see it now. Uh, thank you. Operator, please put through the next call. Nice doors, CTV. Hi, Minister. Uh, different topic here. Uh, a new announced poll came out today uh, with most Canadians, about two-thirds, supporting the use of the Emergencies Act by Ottawa for the convoy. Uh, on the prairies, though, that was uh, much different. It was more of a 50-50 split. Uh, just wanted to kind of ask if your government has maybe learned or, uh, I guess, plan to do, diff do anything differently when responding to these large-scale protests in the future. We do know that your government asked for some support from Ottawa before the Emergencies Act was invoked. So uh, have you learned anything or is there anything different that your government would do when protests like these occur in the future, potentially in the new year? 
Well, I think law enforcement always learns from from every um, uh, large scale incident that that occurs. And um, but look, the Emergencies Act and just going to the the premise of your question wasn't used here in Alberta. So I mean, we have to be clear about that. But obviously, we want an opportunity for law enforcement to uh, to be able to protect the rights of uh, of Canadians. We want them to do it in a safe way and a way for them to be able to come home safely to families at the end of the day, which I think was the focus for all those in the Joint Command uh, during that time. And I, I thank those who were um, involved in leadership uh, in law enforcement for for doing it, um, doing their best to to protect. Uh, the interests of Canadians in a way that ensured that their their folks came home safe to the families every night. Thank you. No, you... no follow-up for me. You're... Okay. Okay. Operator, please put through the next caller. Alex McQuaig, Western Producer. Hi, Minister. Good afternoon. Um, just regarding the Real Property Rights Committee and its recommendations, this is one of the recommendations. What uh, is on in store for the rest of the recommendations that came out of that. Sure. Actually, for that, I'm going to ask the, the chair to, to come up and uh, maybe speak to that. So definitely really excited about Bill 3. Um, <clears throat> when we toured around the province, of course, uh, adverse possession was the primary issue of concern. So I'm really happy the minister is addressing that bill right here and right now. It shows our commitment to listening to Albertans to protect their property rights. Uh, with that, there are other recommendations that are still ongoing that uh, resulted as that work. I know that I'm working with the departments right now to continue the fulsome uh, moves that we need to to ensure that, to protect property rights in Alberta, and I look forward to continuing that work. And, and right now, I just want to focus on Bill 3, which I think is the really critical piece. This is a piece of very archaic law that has been around. Uh, we heard it unanimously Every, every meeting we had, uh, the virtual meeting here in Edmonton, and definitely on the written submissions, this was the leading issue that people wanted uh, dealt with. So I'm very happy to see Bill 3 on the floor of the Legislative Assembly and look forward to supporting it through the process and getting it passed as soon as possible. And maybe, also yeah. and, and maybe just to say as well that the, uh, the ministries who are affected by the, the, the recommendations, the other recommendations, um, uh, are looking at that and and coming forward with um, proposals to their respective ministers uh, to to see if there's there's anything further that could be done with those recommendations. Um, and, and this one this one look I, I think there's a reason why this took so long because for us to be able to address adverse possession it's not easy it's uh, it's three different pieces of legislation in two different ministries so for folks to wrap their heads around how this uh, this could be uh, amended in in a bill um, has has been some of that past governments have grappled with. So anyways, thank you. Thank you. Do you have a follow-up? Yeah, I do. Uh, just regarding uh, the minister's comments that the charter failed to enshrine property rights for the individual. Uh, my understanding was during the negotiations uh, by the provinces for the charter that the provinces want to maintain jurisdiction for property rights. Has that changed at all in the last 40 years? No. No, no. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you. Operator, can you put through the next caller, please? Here, Levitt, Toronto Star. Hey, thanks for taking my question, uh, Minister. I saw you um, tweeting about the, the federal 
gun bill today. I wanted to ask you about um, some of the pushback there and, uh, you know, see if, if you had plans or um, ideas for using the uh, Sovereignty Act, um, you know, assuming that it's going to, you know, continue to have that um, piece that allows for the cabinet to direct um, public entities and, uh, you know, use that to push back against um, the federal gun bill in its current form, um, you know, would you direct uh, police forces in Alberta to not enforce that law? Should it come to that? Uh, good. Thank you for that question. So first of all, I'll say when it comes to the sovereignty uh, within the United Canada Act, Bill 1, um, it's not passed yet. And we are, we're not through and we we're just taking questions about committee the whole and what potential amendments might be there. Um, I think we have to, to see. Uh, first, what gets passed by the legislature, and then seeing how it might um, uh, address these issues and what the opportunities might be. Um, but I, I think that there's a lot for us to learn what Saskatchewan is doing right now with uh, their firearms legislation uh, to be able to address the concerns with, I think the uh, minister in Saskatchewan told me that her chief firearms officer in Saskatchewan uh, estimated that about 10% of folks in Saskatchewan would be criminalized overnight with uh, the passage of this bill. So they obviously have a lot of concerns. We do in, in Alberta as well. And I think there's opportunities for us to, to learn and, and take a look at uh, what is happening in Saskatchewan. Um, so there's, there's a couple options there to start off with. Did you have a follow-up? Yeah, yeah. Why not use this act, though, as a deterrent for, for that Bill. I mean, if you're, Premier Smith has already said, you know, the Sovereignty Act has already achieved um, what we want, and, and that's getting Ottawa to respect our provincial jurisdiction and not, you know, cause harm in Albertans. And so I'm just wondering, you know, why not come out and say, like, yeah, this, this is something that, you know, we would look at using the Sovereignty Act to fight against. Possibly, is what I, I said. And it's going to depend on what ends up being passed by the legislature. So once something is passed, once there is a, a piece of legislation, uh, then I think there needs to then be an analysis on what the opportunities might be at that, that stage. But I, I think we just have to put the, the cart before the horse. Or not put the cart before the Yeah, that's how the saying goes, right? Not put the cart before the horse. Yeah. Don't put the cart. Yeah, do not. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, are there any other questions in the room? So just to clarify, you mentioned that there would be two amendments tabled to, well, as the UCP Congress <coughs> statement said. Are you considering another one to address the Indigenous people's concern? I know Minister Rick, uh, Rick Wilson said that they want him to do it, but it's not clear what yet. So are you holding off to maybe table a third addressing that? Well, I, I can't speak, speak for caucus. Uh, look, I... Um, I, Rick does an amazing job in being responsive to and, and listening to our Indigenous communities. Um, I, I think if, if folks are looking at how, I think it's in Section 2, um, 2 sub, sub C, I can't remember, sorry, I, I apologize. Michelle, you know this legislation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but there's, there, I think if there's an opportunity for someone to say, um, look, this is the way it's drafted now. Uh, this is what we need to change. Uh, obviously, what, what happened with the drafters is, is looking how 
um, indigenous rights are protected in other pieces of legislation and using specifically the terms derogation and abrogation. If folks think that's not strong enough, um, uh, of course, I'm, I'm sure Rick would be happy to, to get that feedback and then pass it on to, to executive council. Um, but um, I, I, I just haven't seen any of that specific feedback yet. Um, I think it's been general so far. And, um, but as I said, Rick, Rick is, is very passionate about listening to and make himself available to those communities. It doesn't give a lot of time to, you know, stakeholders to, you know, suggest those, you know, amendments if they have specific ones or, you know, corrections that they would like to see in the law. So why not pull it back, do proper consultations, and maybe table it again with amendments incorporated in the spring? Well, I, again, I can't speak for caucus. Um, I... I, I am the Minister of Justice giving advice, giving legal advice to, to Executive Council uh, and uh, to my caucus. And um, uh, you know, how, how Executive Council uh, ends up deciding or how caucus decides. Now it's, it's in second reading right now, I think, still, um, and until tomorrow or Wednesday. And then when it gets to the Committee of the Whole, um, it, it, I, I'm just, just one member of caucus, I suppose. So, but I'm happy, happy to be one of, of many members of this caucus who are listening to constituents and, and uh, making sure that those that feedback from constituents is heard. Would you recommend to Executive Council to hold those public consultations? Well, I, look, my, my advice to, to Executive Council is privileged, um, but um, uh, uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm not going to specifically talk about any, any legal advice I gave to Executive Council. Minister, you said that the changes or the, the amendments that are being brought forward by caucus um, whenever they're, they're officially brought forward, were born out of conversations and, and you're listening to feedback. Did nobody in caucus or cabinet before this bill was tabled on Tuesday point out these two things could be problematic? Did nobody raise concerns about that? I think if I answered that, I'd be breaching caucus confidences and cabinet confidences, so I, I won't be speaking to that, you know, answering that specific question. Okay. And why specifically, I mean, Indigenous groups say that they weren't consulted prior to the tabling of this legislation. Why weren't they consulted? Well, to the extent that they were, um, uh, I, I suppose, would, would be through Indigenous relations. Uh, I think that'd be better, if, if you don't mind, I'm not trying to punt it to somebody else, but I'm punting it to someone else. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. But, but I, if, you, if I could direct that to Indigenous relations and, and, and allowing Minister Wilson to, to answer the extent that they were and, um, and the reasons for, for the extent of that consultation. Sorry, Minister, I have to ask, though, you're saying that I'll go back to caucus. Who's, who's driving the bus here? on this bill. It sounds like if we want to find out any changes to the bill, we should be going to Brad Rutherford. I mean, it's cabinet that steers this bill. I mean, it's... It's, it's a government bill. It's Premier's bill, and... There's still outstanding concerns here about... I mean, Jody Kondak was on Friday saying, <clears throat> you know, this is way over balance. Municipalities don't know how to operate. I mean, that's still in the bill. So where do people... If they still have concerns about that part of the bill, do they take it to you? Do they take it to caucus, to Brad Rutherford? Who's actually in charge of this but, bill, sir? Look, Jyoti or any Albertan who has feedback for, for me to, to, to bring to, to executive council, my door's always open to Jyoti or, or any municipal leader. Um, and uh, it, is, it is Premier's bill. Uh, it's Bill 1, uh, but, uh, of course, um, happy as, as legal counsel to executive counsel to, to listen to feedback and make sure that uh, folks at the table are getting that feedback. It sounds like Cabinet's hands are tied unless caucus tells them what to do. No, no, no I, don't, I don't agree with that. Well, I, but think I, that's what I'm trying, I think Albertans need to know, how does this work here? Who's making decisions on what this bill will look like? No, no, but I, I think the answer is there's been a press release 
and it's been been announced by caucus that somebody is going to be coming forward with with amendments in committee of the whole. We we just can't speak to it yet because it hasn't been tabled yet. So um, I think if I, I spoke about it, I think I'd be breaching caucus confidences. But there there are opportunities for for very soon, from what I understand from the press release, for those to to be tabled, and I'm sure. Uh, I'll, I'll be happy to answer questions no. that time, Dean. By the way, I'm jealous of those braces, by the way. Who actually wrote the, the act? Was it done by government lawyers? Uh, who actually wrote it? Uh, uh, LCO. It's called Legislative Council Office. Um, so it was. Uh, they, they are uh, technically folks who are lawyers within JSG, now Justice. Um, so JSG, um, uh, yeah, the, the folks, I'm not sure how many drafters there are in the department, but they, they began after October 6th working with uh, Premier-designate at that time uh, to be able to get feedback from her and uh, her team and, and trying to translate, because there were different iterations of, of the idea of the uh, sovereignty uh, within the United Canada Act, and be able to get that advice to provide options. Um, and then it went through the, the typical uh, process for, um, for legislation, going uh, first through a policy committee process, going to cabinet, uh, then a, a gate check, again, that's been added by, by Premier at the end, uh, at caucus, where caucus reviews um, uh, one last time, and then goes to legislative review committee, uh, which includes private members, but mostly um, cabinet mem members. Then after all of that careful work, you're yet amending it less than the week after you brought it in. Well, there's lots of times, lots of examples where legislation hits uh, second reading. And, I mean, that's the whole reason why we don't have just one reading. Um, or, you know, like some municipal councils, they'll do three readings in, in one hour. Uh, we have a process to make sure that legislation has an opportunity to, to have it tabled. Folks can see it. Opposition can see it. Uh, although opposition did vote against it before it even got tabled in, in first reading. But then there's a conversation, a public conversation, seeing what's been drafted and getting advice. So that's, that's how it's supposed to work. I, I, I think that's, that's why we have those three readings and we have Committee of the Whole. But then you read the act and you thought it was fine last week when you saw it. I, I've given legal advice to executive counsel about what the, the options are and what the advantages and disadvantages are for the di various different decision points. Uh, I'm one member of executive council that votes on it. And I, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to speak specifically about one, one particular decision point and what my, my advice was on that. I think that would be breaching caucus or cabinet. You're aware, Minister, when you introduced the bill on Tuesday, that there was a clause granting cabinet sweeping powers to enact rewrite laws behind closed doors. Were you, I mean, that's the question now, because no one's really sure if, if you guys even understood your own bill. Did you guys understand uh, that? Of course, the bill was understood, and, and I think the feedback that we've received is that folks had questions, they're looking for clarity, and we're pleased to, to provide opportunities for clarity and committee the whole with uh, further amendments. Okay, thank you, everyone. That's all the time we have for today. Are, we'll have to call. Are you surprised by the reaction of the public to that bill? Well, look, I, I think that uh, this is um, a new conversation. Uh, I think it's, it's uh, so for, for us to have a public conversation about um, a piece of legislation that provides a provincial government and a legislature with a new opportunity to protect provincial jurisdiction. Uh, the same as Saskatchewan, though, right? The, the intent of this is the same as Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan first um, legislation. And, um, and so some of these opportunities are going to be new. And it's helpful for us to have that public conversation at second reading, at Community of the Whole, and, uh, and with Albertans to get that feedback. Are you surprised? 
I, I think that it's, it's not a matter of being surprised or not surprised. It's a matter of we, we, we table legislation and we expect to have robust and open conversations. We expect to have an open and democratic process for passing legislation. And, uh, you know, for, for all of us who, I guess there's not 87 of us anymore, 80, 85 of us, it, the 85 of us who are in the room to be able to have that robust and open debate is a good and healthy one. So thank you, everyone. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.